welcome to the chat. We're here with Amber from the Bend Down Project. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So I'm so excited uh, to welcome you. I, you're such a large space in the social media world and I'm sure in the real world as well, but I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in person. Um, you are running something called the Bend Down Project. You do a lot of really amazing posts and just like social awareness and activism when it comes to justice impacted people. So could you tell us a little bit about like what motivated you to start the Bend Down Project and like what does the Bend Down Project mean to you? So the Bend Down Project um, is basically me and my story. Um, I started it because I wanted to shine a light on the criminal justice system and all of its inequities. Um, I was sentenced to 13 months in federal prison. It was my first time ever doing anything. I didn't even have a moving violation and um, no money was taken. It was a non-violent offense. And the judge looked me in my eye and he said, you deserve to go to prison. And I was shocked, you know what I mean? And so once I got to prison, I met all of these wonderful women. Not everybody was wonderful, right? But <laughs> a lot of them were, and they just started sharing their stories with me. So that's what the Bend Down Project is. Basically just me um, shining a light on all of the injustices that have been occurring. And I do it in a way that's more palatable, kind of humorous, you know, making a little bit of light of it because, you know, prison is trauma and it can be daunting. Um, so that's why I started it. Yeah. <laughs> I, love I love that you add humor because I think that, you know, a lot of the, the carceral system can be super painful and like you have such an amazing sense of humor and like when you bring that to the space and your activism and like you said, you shine a light on that there are all these kind of phenomenal people that have been through the system mm -hmm. and you want to like carry even, you know, if they're still in, like you want to carry them and their stories with you and kind of continue to like be light and joy for everyone. Um, so I appreciate that. I think that's, that's fantastic. And you do also sell pretty fantastic merchandise that I would be wearing if <laughs> I had planned ahead. So I, <laughs> um, but I see that you have like, what kind of merchandise do you sell? So I have, I don't know if you can see my t-shirt, I'll raise up a little bit. I have um, teas. This is my little crop tea. I'm not going to show my tummy right now because it's inappropriate. Um, but it's one of those like cute, like in style ones that's like yeah, it's loose fitting. You know, you can wear it with like a high waist jean. I have other kinds of shirts, too. If you're just not comfortable with that, I have a journal um, nice. that I really like. Did I? I Is it like to put thoughts in and just kind of goals and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, you can put, you can jot anything down. I was gonna start manifesting and just writing my manifestations down in it daily. So that might be a good way to kind of do it. I have a tote bag, which is not necessarily close by. I have a mug. I have a whole bunch of different things on my website, which is thebendownproject.com. Okay, and we will put that right here so you can Go to the bendownproject.com, get your merchandise, wear it proud, um, tell your story, and you know, don't be afraid to be who you are. I think that that's a lot of that comes through in your messaging and just who you are as a person. So that's awesome. Um, and and so what I mean, like, what have you felt like as far as the Bend Down Project and like the activism work that you do 
is like the most important to you when it comes to bringing awareness? Because I know you said that bringing awareness to you know the carceral system is is really important to you. Yeah. So for me, awareness is just like I kind of felt like if this could happen to me, it could happen to anyone, right? And so one of the things I wanted to do um, regarding incarceration, right? Because before I went and I got I had to surrender myself to go to prison. I lied to everybody about where I was going, right? And it had to be like a really ridiculous lie because I wouldn't be able to check my email. I can't text you, you know? And so I told people that I was going to Brazil to study with a shaman. Wow. Right? I mean, so this is just already letting you know like how ridiculous of an individual I am, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna have internet. I'm not gonna have my phone and my communication is going to be very sporadic, right? Um so I was embarrassed and and that's because prison has such a stigma, right? And so one of the things that I'm aiming to do is to destigmatize it and to humanize it, right? We don't realize how, you know, people that are incarcerated, their mothers, their fathers, their daughters, their sisters, their brothers, you know, even when I was incarcerated, they just called me inmate. Hey, inmate, get over here. Inmate, get in line. You know what I mean? And so it takes the humanized aspect out of it. So, you know, you tend to feel, you know, you feel really low about yourself. And when I started communicating with a lot of the women in prison and I was like, we shouldn't be ashamed of ourselves because in a lot of cases, I didn't feel that these crimes right warranted incarceration and i was like kind of the department of justice should be ashamed of themselves so my thing is to just kind of give a face and a story and for you to understand you know that sometimes people make mistakes you know sometimes people go to prison but it's not on us to judge them it's not on us to you know stigmatize them even more because it's already a difficult situation to be in, you know, being separated from your family, from your friends, from your community, um, and placed somewhere, you know, in isolation, you know? Totally. I agree. I mean, and I love that. I love that. I love that through the awareness that you've take, taken something that has so much stigma and like put it on your shirt and put it on merchandise to make it like acceptable because the reality is there's so many people that have been through the system and like, the mm -hmm. stigma is it's so false you know like all the things that people think about it are, are really kind of <laughs> i don't i don't know how to say it without saying curse words so and I'm, this is kid friendly so i won't say it but um but yeah i mean being able to like be like hey i've been down you know um and people may not even know what that means right like that's why i chose the term been down that was like one of the most common questions i got asked when I first got incarcerated, like, oh, how long you been down? How long you been down? You know, and that means like, how long have you been incarcerated? You right. know, um, and generally you answer in months because you're sentenced in months. Um, so that's why I said that's it's the been down project, right? And so it took me a while to just come forward with my story. And now I am very comfortable with saying that I am formerly incarcerated or <laughs> I was down. I did time, I did a bid. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, it makes it, it makes it nice for everyone else. Cause it makes, you know, people can see that you're comfortable with it and they can start to feel more comfortable with it. You know, it takes sometimes seeing yourself in other people. And like you said, like 
taking something that felt shameful at one point in time and then you know becoming comfortable with the circumstances um so you know even though the circumstances the circumstances shouldn't happen you know i mean i'm an abolitionist and just don't feel like it's a good way to continue forward like i think the restorative justice model is something that's so much better definitely i'm the same and, and it took me a while to um understand abolition um and so like i always tease people right like I don't know if I'm an abolition, like when I first got out of prison and I'm just kind of, you know, entering into this new world, right? And and I'm like, oh, okay, it doesn't necessarily mean just eradicating everything, it's eradicating it as we know it. You know what I mean? Like our system, the system, the way it's set up right now does not work, right? We need, there's a newer, there's better things that we can put in place. And so, People, because everything is well. What about for child molesters, or what are you going to do for you know mass murderers? I'm like, yeah, we're not saying that they shouldn't be addressed or just you know let <laughs> to roam, you know, in a society. But there are better ways to handle it than by throwing them in a cage for the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. Yeah. And most victims are kind of like in like the restorative justice process actually includes them and doesn't. Yes. Work. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. But definitely. So I, I want to talk, we're talking about something that's not restorative justice related and just kind of bringing that awareness to it, just mm-hmm. the requirements of parole and probation. And I think that some people talk about it, but I feel like it's really under addressed. Um, and there's these really odd requirements that sometimes are just almost impossible for people to kind of um, keep up with without getting into trouble. And that trouble could be reincarceration violations, right? Um, in why this came up, you know, with us is like, we have this women's round table and it's full of a bunch of different people that have been impacted and allies. And I had, you know, seen your presence and was like, oh my gosh, I really want you in that women's round table. And you were like, I, so what happened? And then like, what happened then? (laughs) So yeah, you asked me and I run into this problem a lot, right? Um, But I am still on probation, um, or you might hear people say that I'm on papers, right? And that means one of my restrictions is that I cannot knowingly communicate with another felon, right? Here we are again with the dehumanizing labels, Um, you know, which is interesting because while I'm incarcerated, you put me away right with women and we we bond right because you know it's hard when you're a mother and you're away from your child on mother's day or or on christmas or when you're away from family and you're just isolated all you really have is each other and so these are women that have the same struggle as you they can relate to you they're going through the same trauma that you're going through and then as soon as you leave prison you have to cut them off and have zero communication with them right and it's scary because it's like I never want to go back to prison, right? And I definitely don't want to go back because I'm communicating with someone. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I had to tell you, like, look, I, I have to get permission from my PO if I want to be a part of this round table. <laughs> and so you were like, well, let's do this chat instead, right? Because that just makes it easier because you never really want to ask your PO for anything. Right. <laughs> You just want least contact, just like least contact as possible. Everything I'm supposed to be doing, let's not have a conversation. Right, right. Yeah. 
so I understand that yeah and and it really and honestly it was kind of like all of a sudden I was like you know well I'm gonna do more of these one-on-ones so like that situation created the chat really and all and all because you know it's important for your voice to be heard and and really like what does it mean like what does this requirement mean it's I think of, you know, when I was a juvenile too, and Mm -hmm. the person that was the closest to me was convicted of a crime that's considered a felony. Mm -hmm. And she's the person that told me to go to law school back when I was a teenager. You know, she's the person that believed and saw. Encouraged you, right. Yeah. And it's like, like you said, it's like to cut off contact or, you know, when people are getting released, if not everybody has contacts that haven't been justice involved and so like trying to navigate the housing space and like how do I find housing like so sometimes you have to stay with family members but right what if all your family members are justice involved like that's that requirement in itself I feel like needs to be addressed I really hope that there's some sort of advocacy organization out there that's like this is an issue that we want to pick up and change because I just think even though you had mentioned the importance of like um, potentially like peer to peer contact or advisement upon mm-hmm. release. And like, I mean, like in what ways do you feel like that would be, you know, if, if for some reason that requirement just went away, like, how do you think that that would be beneficial to people that have been incarcerated? Right. So one, I know I asked, <laughs> right. Like why can't I communicate with another known felon? Right. Um, and they basically thought that we would get together and create this criminal enterprise, right? That's going to take over the world, more or less, right? Like that's the reason why. Um, but it would just be beneficial, right? Because especially if you've gotten out before me and you've already had to navigate and overcome these hurdles, you know, um, this is a difficult system to navigate already. But then when you're coming out and you have this new label of felon and you don't know, okay, well, what jobs can I now qualify for? And who's going to get, provide me with housing and who's going to do X, Y, and Z? And can I do this? And can I do that? If somebody has already gone through it and they could be like, hey, don't waste your time doing this. You know, hey, maybe you should look here. Here's a good resource, you know, but you can't do that, right? And And, and it's, you know, they have a lot of groups that could potentially help you, but they also don't necessarily know if they've never been through the process themselves. So that's why to me, it would be really beneficial to be able to kind of communicate with someone. And also they just fully understand what you're going through and where you are right now in life, you know, because it's just, it's overwhelming when you are first released from incarceration, no matter what your resources are, no matter what, you're just kind of like, whoa, you know, I just got out of prison. Okay, what now? You know? So. Yeah, no, and then, and then it's like a whole new group of people open up to being a peer group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Like you said, yeah. like they could provide, you know, advice on how they were able to like navigate a lot of those hoops to jump through. Mm-hmm. So the next topic I really want to talk about, and I know this one is not incredibly fun but um you're fun so i'm sure it will be (laughs) you'll make it fun to discuss but just this is like really for our viewers and a lot of like you know i'm connected with a lot of people who do media and in different formats and just odd questions that should not be asked of people that are justice impacted um Mm -hmm. so we can continue to be trauma-informed and everyone can be thoughtful and you know not re-traumatize one another through the media we can actually do more positive things like the bent down project and you know 
removing stigma and uplifting each other. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things um, to me that is just considered rude or in poor taste, right, is to ask why someone went to prison. Why were you incarcerated, right? Um, not everybody is going to be as open to discussing what happened to them, right? Um, so if they choose to even tell you that they were incarcerated, you know, that's a huge step, right? But then asking them what they did and kind of prying is, is, is rude, right? They may not be ready to share their story and or you could be bringing up, you know, things that they don't want to talk about, right? Like I get criticized even sometimes by people like, this is this is the past let it go and move forward right and i'm like i get it i'm not harping and hanging on like oh my god i missed those prison days right but like i said my thing is just to spread the awareness you know what i mean um so to me just asking why what happened sometimes they ask you oh were you raped while you were in prison right that's a very intimate question right like what if i was you know then I, you're asking me to relive this trauma and then also i don't necessarily know you that well where i even want to discuss something like this with you it could be triggering you know so maybe these are some things that you know you just let the person kind of lead the discussion on it you know kind of don't yeah. Cry. yeah i think that's important leading the discussion mm -hmm. and Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, and I'm just, I, I guess I want to say I'm shocked, but I'm like, I'm shocked and not shocked mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, people really kind of exploit other people's experiences and stories so much. So, right. and I uh, think people have a lot of questions about prison, right? Because yeah. everybody wants to know about it, but nobody wants to go there, right? Um, so everybody is just very curious and I get it. Um, and that's why I do the Talk to Me Tuesdays where you can ask me a question and I'll answer it anonymously, right? Um, because I'm not as easily offended and also I didn't have nobody, you know, touched me in prison against my will or anything, right? So, <laughs> I know, right? No, but, um, but yeah, just like you said, like just letting the person who was formerly incarcerated lead the discussion, you know, because a lot of people don't even want to share their story. Like I have a really hard time even finding women to spotlight on my page. I spotlight women who were formerly incarcerated and just, you know, basically applaud them for overcoming their trauma and just being amazing functioning women in society, right? Um, but a lot of women are like, no, no, I don't want to talk about it. No, I don't want to be a part of this project. No, you know, and I, and I let it go. And I understand. Right, because remember me, I was going to Brazil to study with a shaman, right? I could have just tried to keep that up, right? Because who's gonna really question it, you know? So Yeah, that's true. And you know, and I mean I went away in uh, I was in high school and so a lot of people didn't know what happened to me either. And so they were like, You just disappeared, we thought you moved and, and I a lot of times I don't correct them. Right. I'm like you, mm -hmm. you kinda did. <laughs> yeah, I did, I moved, right? Like right, but, right. right. But I also, yeah, it's that, you know, it was a, a lot of it was, and I would now, you know, now I would correct people, but like back, back then it was just like, I'm not going to have this conversation because I have no idea what people are going to think of me, you know, what kind of judgment and stigma. And then it gets deep into like, for me, you know, it gets deep into family issues. And I think it does for a lot of people, not everybody, you know. And but, it's shame. It's so much shame yeah. in, in saying like, you know, oh my God, I went, I went to prison. You know, like I have a six-year-old and he does not know, um, not because I'm necessarily hiding it, but I just don't even think he's going to understand 
what that means, you know, because prison can be so very black and white, right? Like you do something bad and you go to prison and you go away, you know, and he's huge on like being a cop, right? And like just bad guys, this, bad guys, that, like he's, this is what he's into, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I hope he doesn't really become a cop. That's horrible, I know, but, <laughs> hey, um, you know, so he doesn't know, you know, he thinks that mommy went away to work. And I did have a job while I was incarcerated. <laughs> yeah, you said that. So that's kind of like where kind of the ridiculousness sometimes of the carceral system mm -hmm. is you said you had a job where you were able to kind of just kind of go out into the community, right? Yeah. So my second job um, was the town driver, which was a big step up because before I cleaned through the trains, right? So I was moving on up. <laughs> I was I went from five dollars and twenty five cents a month to making seventy dollars a month, right? That was a huge step, right? Oh my so, god. Um, but what I had to do was um they would give me keys, they would give me a cell phone that could only call the prison or nine one one, and then I would take somebody else that I was incarcerated with, I would take them to like medical appointments and sometimes I would drive like um, you know, for almost a hundred miles away you know, which is funny now, because now that I am under um, mass supervision and my, um, I'm on papers, um, I cannot leave a 50 mile radius of DC without getting permission. So I actually- the alarm goes off for- I know, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't have on an ankle monitor, but- I mean, That is I, ironic though. It now is. You're out. Yeah. Less <laughs> movement now that I am free than I did while I was incarcerated. Yeah, the irony to a lot of the layers of the carceral system are, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it felt like I was such a danger to society that you needed to lock me up and throw me in a state, you know, that was about four and a half hours away from me. And then, you know, then you allow me to move freely about that state, right? But then you take me out of my community, you take me away from my toddler, you know, there's just you know you take me for, for free right yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so. yeah and, I, and thankfully i mean there's so many people that are working on that i know for sure that are working on the month yeah the aspect of the yeah the, the, wages, the wages are not wages at all so yeah. um, everybody yeah. was five dollars and 25 cents an hour i was like no 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 a month one month right which is interesting because one 15 minute phone call in the federal system costs $3.15, right? So I'm like, if I talk on the phone for 15 minutes, that's basically all my pay. I can't even make two phone calls a month, right? Um, with that check, because wow. you paid once a month. And if you want to do a video visit with your family, that's $6. So you'd have to save up for two months to do a video visit. And this is just assuming that you don't need to get anything off of commissary. And I mean, I'm talking basic stuff like soap and shampoo and lotion and deodorant, which you have to buy in the federal system. It was like hygiene or family. Yeah, hygiene or family. Exactly. Which both things should just be provided for free, especially, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's, wow. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, I mean, I appreciate you sharing um, like your story. I appreciate you sharing, you know, the work that you do and just being such a bright light um, 
you. <laughs> I, I, I do. I appreciate everything that you're doing and, and just being here with us today, talking to everyone. And, um, and I encourage everyone to follow Amber on social media, uh, go to her website, purchase um, her merchandise. I saw a hoodie on there that is like one of those short hoodies and I'm definitely going to be buying one. Um, I don't care if my stomach hangs out. I think they're really cute and it's like, it, yeah, I like crop hoodies. So, um, yeah, just I, thank you. Thank you for being the person that you are. And, you know, I'm sorry that you've had to go through some of the things that, that you have, but I appreciate you turning it into such a beautiful spotlight, um, for removing stigma. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. At this, you know, they say that everybody goes through something for a reason. So, whatever reason I went through it, I am still alive and standing. So that's good, you know, and that's another thing, like people reach out to me all the time that are about to be sentenced for advice. And I'm, I don't know if you remember, but just the amount of pressure that you have on yourself when you're about to get sentenced, when you know that your life is in somebody's hands, like a strange man or woman's hands, the judge, you know, who doesn't know you, it is this very stressful. And then I'm always like, oh, I can't necessarily talk to them because I don't want to go back to prison myself for giving you solid advice, right? And I have things that yeah. I want to say to them, like this is what would have helped me when I was getting sentenced, right? And this is what you should know about sentencing. And this is what you should know if you are sentenced and what happens when you do go to prison. And this, this is what the first couple of days are going to look like, you know, so. Oh, I agree. I mean, I agree so much. I think it's so, I think like that peer to peer and the mentorship and, and like mm -hmm. having that level of contact mm -hmm. with people that have been through what you've gone through, you know, mm -hmm. um, oh my gosh, it's so important. It's so mm -hmm. important. And I want to call your probation officer and ask him <laughs> to join us, <laughs> but I won't because I know that. <laughs> that like, <laughs> That would be weird. Exactly. <laughs> but, like, but I don't understand. Right. Yeah. Who are you? Like, why? But yeah, I mean, I, I, it's so, it's so important. It's so important um, to have that peer support and how, and I, you know, and I hope that, you know, as people are moving forward and abolition is now like a common term that's used at the dinner table, even though it didn't used to be. Now it's like, oh, that's just a hashtag. And that's a term that people have in their families. And, um, on t-shirts and on bumper stickers like I didn't I didn't see this stuff 20 years ago you know right. I mean, Angela Davis has always been around but like you know not everybody understood who she was and what she was so um yeah <laughs> so just I think that I think that that's incredibly important as we look to like new ways of doing things like how mm -hmm. how can we provide more support how can we like not send people into these carceral environments in the first place but how can we provide more support to those that have already been through the carceral system in a way that actually makes sense. Yeah, it's effective, right, exactly. Yeah, not yeah. like, oh, you can work for free, uh, you know, driving a hundred miles and then you can get out and you can go 50 miles and not talk to anybody that you were just around. Like I- And a lot of the rules are ridiculous, right? Like I feel like they set you up for failure they set you up to come back right like i even knew people um when you are about to go home um they send a probation officer to your house and a lot of people's houses were deemed um that they couldn't return to them because like maybe somebody had a gun and this was a a very 
licensed gun. This person had permission to have it and was, you know, registered and everything. But just as someone who has a felony, I'm not allowed to be around around any guns, right? Now, my crime had nothing to do with the shooting or violence. I don't even know how to use a gun. If I saw one, I would just turn the other way, right? But I had to tell, you know, my husband, like, look, you can't get this gun, right? Because then they're not going to let me come home, you know, so... Yeah, so it impacts the family and people in the house mm-hmm. too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a really good point. Um, mm-hmm. As far, yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah, like I made a joke about it. Um, somebody asked me like last Tuesday about, um, you know, probation, and I'm I'm like, look, if I come to pick you up in my car, you may not have any cocaine on you, right? <laughs> like, you may not have a gun on you. Like, not like I'm gonna be hanging with people that do that, but like, you just gotta understand. Like, these are the things. Like, I don't even want you to have any marijuana on you, right? Even though it's legal, but it's still federally, you know, illegal. And I have federal charges, so I'm like just really paranoid about everything. Like, yeah, friends, I'm always like, yeah, I'm gonna meet you there. <laughs> You know, like, oh, wait, where are we going? No, I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to ride by myself. Okay, see you later. You know, because. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I always like tell people I color within the lines. Like I Mm -hmm. I don't, didn't used to color within the lines, but I mean, I was a kid. I used to color and do art outside of lines. And now, you know, it's like, like what I like read the rules to everything, you know, even parking. Cause you're just, you kind of get into like a, a trauma state of like, I, want to do everything correct because I don't want anything to you know impact me in a way I want to be informed but the best information is from those that have gone through it to say like this is what you can and can't do and then you can't talk to those people so you're getting information from people who've never been through the system who are like don't even know the layers of it you know I mean every time I've talked to somebody that's been through the system it's like I learned something I learned like a new legal concept that I didn't learn in law school right which is crazy <laughs> right yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so it's, that is yeah that communication is incredibly important um yeah thank you thank you for shining light on that thank you for sharing your story and um i hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day thank you the same to you as well and thank you for having me on i really enjoyed our chat likewise <laughs> bye amber bye